we've been um, studying these habits of grace. And we, we've had two sections so far, and we began uh, talking about having uh, or hearing God's voice. That was kind of the, the beginning. That's where we got to start, right? God is, is, is creator. He's the one that reveals himself to us. And so we, we need to learn how to hear from him. And so we talked about Bible intake and, and meditation and scripture memorization and those kind of things. We spent some time there. And then we shifted gears and we, we went from hearing God's voice to, to having God's ear, the privilege of prayer and praying in secret, praying as a church. Um, we talked about journaling. We, we, we talked about... Um, silence and solitude, and, and so we spent some time talking about prayer and different ways to practice that. This next section of habits, which is going to finish out our summer, uh, this last section of habits will finish out our summer, um, we're going to talk about the habits that involve belonging to God's body, okay? The habits that involve belonging to God's body, and this morning specifically we're going to focus on, on something the early church did, and they did really well, and they did it so well that it changed the world. And this morning, we're going to talk about um, the habit of fellowship, okay? So join me in a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Father, um, thank you for meeting with us, Lord. I'm so thankful. Um, I'm so thankful that when your people gather together just to seek your face, that you make this bold promise that when two or more are there, that you're present. That you use each of us in our hurts and our struggles and even our triumphs to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's what the church is about. Lord, this morning, we, we don't pull any punches. We know there are people gathered in this room that are right now in the midst of the fight of their life. It's how it feels. It feels like the walls are squeezing in. It feels like um, hope is, is just a glimmer and, and they are in the fight of their lives. And yet there's a God that says, I see you. I know you. I know the number of hairs on your head. You are my child. And I am working for good. And God, you ask us to trust that today. So Lord, we come with open hearts and with open minds and with great expectations that you are Father, Abba, our Dad, that you will come and that you will keep your promise and that you will meet with us in a powerful way and you will change us. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space and we just, we just say that, that without you, we're nothing. Without you, we can't understand the Word of God. Without you, we have no will to live out the Word of God. Without you, we, we can't be transformed into the people of God that we are called to be. And so Holy Spirit, we recognize your role as our teacher and our guide as our seal. It's the one that closes us up and, and secures us in Jesus. And we ask right now that you'll come and that you will just play your role, take your place in our pulpit. Exalt Jesus Christ. Jesus, as you're lifted up, would you just change our hearts. Take these hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh again. Put a new spirit within us and a desire to follow you for all of our days. Draw us closer to your heart. Change us and transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I had an interesting experience uh, yesterday. I've never done it before. Um, but we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma um, for the funeral of my wife's grandfather, great man of God. He was an IMB missionary, served in Africa, um, did some amazing things. And it was, it was really a, a beautiful service and spent the time really... Um, 
kind of living out what we're talking about this morning in fellowship with family and those kind of things. But uh, we left Wednesday morning super early, and so I had Monday and Tuesday to kind of get things in order, and I left with a really rough outline. I mean, it was rough. I did not like it at all. I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. And so all week I was kind of meditating on it, and, and I, you know, one morning I get out of the shower, ooh, ooh, that's the point, that's good, that's good. And, uh, and so it was still working our way out, and then we, we left yesterday, and we drove from Tulsa to Columbus and then back to Elgin. We had to drop some people off at our parents' house. And so uh, first time ever, I wrote a sermon in a moving vehicle. Um, so just giving you the warning that if you see me staring at my notes a little harder, it's because my writing is usually bad, but it was really bad as we were going over the bumpy, buh, 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 buh. I was like, honey, can you get in the left lane and, and avoid that? Anyway, so I'm just giving you a heads up. This morning... Um, I think our goal, our heart, is to really recapture this thing that the early church did so well that it changed the world. And this thing is, is this discipline, this habit called fellowship. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 2. It's a good place to just turn. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 10. But Acts chapter 2, um, starting in verse 42, is where we will be. And uh, what I want to do this morning, though, is start you out with a warning. And, and here, here, here's the warning. It, it's really kind of the first point of the message, right? And, 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 and it's this. Uh, Christian fellowship is unnatural and countercultural. Christian fellowship is, is unnatural and it's countercultural. Counter and what I'm saying to you is what, what I'm going to say to you, what the Word of God is going to speak in, into our life this morning is not going to sound right. It's not going to sound right to us because it's, it's not, it, it just flies in the face of everything that we believe, of, of, of what we've bought into, and it just doesn't feel right. So, so the Word of God this morning, as it talks to us about the need to, to, to have fellowship, it's going to feel a little bit unnatural, okay? And so I'm in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, and I just want to read this with you uh, again as we kind of see this habit that this early church and practiced and devoted themselves to. In fact, it says, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the, to the breaking of bread and, and, and to prayer. That word devoted, it means they steadfastly committed to the apostles' teaching. Remember, uh, many of these people, uh, there were about 120 people that were waiting for Pentecost. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. But another 3,000 have been added to their number. And so these 3,000 that did not spend as much time with Jesus as the other 120 are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're soaking it in. They're taking in every word. And so every day they're just like, tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more about how to... So they're devoted to this. But in addition to that, it says not only are they devoted to, to learning, but get this, it says and they, they were devoted to, it says, the fellowship. That's all it says. It just says they're devoted to the fellowship in verse 42. Now, that's, that's our, our discipline today. That's our word. The Greek word is koinonia. The Greek word is, is koinonia, and it means intimate partnership. They were devoted to an intimate partnership. They were devoted to intimate participation with one another. That's, that's, the, that's the picture of the early church. It's the picture of a group of people devoted to doing life together, to knowing one another, not, not holding anything back, not keeping people at a distance, but they were committed to pressing in to life together. That's the picture of the early church. It, it's, it's intimate participation. They were devoted to it. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, to the Lord's Supper, and, and to prayer. In verse 43, it says, Everyone, they did these things, was filled with awe. 
And, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Verse, verse 44, <laughs> listen to this. It says, now all the believers were together and held everything in common. That word together is another interesting word in the, in the original language. It's crazy. They were all together. Do you know what the, that word means? It means to superimpose. <laughs> Think about that. They, 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 that means to lay one on top of another, to, to impose. They were, they were superimposed with one another. They, your life and my life and his life on top of one another. For, for my birthday a couple weeks ago, Hope took me out to an escape room. I don't know what that says about me, but evidently I'm a caged animal. Or something. I don't know. So you go to an escape room and they lock you in a room. And you have to figure out how to get out. You have an hour, and then eventually they'll let you out. So, you know, they don't leave you in there forever. Um, but you, you, you look around for clues, and it's kind of like a puzzle. And as you go around, and so we're kind of checking things out, and, and suddenly somebody goes, oh, I got something. What do you got? Transparency. I haven't seen one of those since, like, eighth grade. Uh, it, was just, it, was, it was just transparency. And it had some little, little, it looked like part of a drawing. And it had a few letters over here. I'm like, well, I don't, this, I'm trying to, yeah, I, I got nothing, man. I got nothing. And so we, we go on, and then, and then all of a sudden, some say, oh, look, I found another one. They found another one. And, and on their own, they, 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 they gave us nothing. But, but eventually, I think there were like five or six of these things. And what happened, we had to, we had to superimpose them on one another. And when you put all of them together and you, you shone the light through, it actually read out the instructions on how to open a safe that got your butt out of that room. And by the end of the time, I was excited to get out of that room. You see, those, those transparencies, they were meant, they were meant to be superimposed on one another. And what the text would say is that as Christians, God's intent for us is to do life that way. It's to do life together, that we, we need one another to make it work. Does that make sense? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, so it says they had all things going on. They said, and, and all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They, they held all things in common. They, they sold their possessions and their property. They distributed proceeds to all and any that had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, to breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And I'll, I'll get to the last part here in a second. So, so this is the day. And I just want you to think about who this is. Now, there's 120 people that were followers of Jesus, and 3,000 more got added. And these are people from every background you can imagine. And yes, many of them are Jewish, and many of them were religious, but you know who else is in the group? Prostitutes are in the group. And tax collectors are in the group. Like sinners, as, as the religious said, are in the group. And you've got people that just met Jesus yesterday. And you've got people that followed him for three and a half years. And, 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 and you know, you've got all these people that are together. And, and they're just superimposed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what, what your backstory was. Like, we're just going to do life together. And it means these people came together and get this. They did something remarkable. They chose to focus on the thing they had in common instead of the things that divided them. And, and they did life that way. Like, we're just not going to focus on all the rest. We're not going to worry about the world. We're not going to worry about ourselves. In fact, we're going to do something so crazy. This is the work of God in them that they actually put other people's needs above their own. That's, that's what went on in the early church. It's, it's unthinkable. 
It's unnatural. They became literally a new people, a new community. And, and hear me, it's so different. It's so different. Look what happens in verse 47. It is, it is so unnatural. What happened? It, 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 I say it's unnatural. That may make you uncomfortable. It, it is. It's unnatural. It's supernatural. That this is what happens. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It was so different, so countercultural that everyone around them takes note, and the Lord added daily to their number. Now listen, to get to that level of intimacy, to get to that place that we are, we are all in um, doing life together, to press in deeply to the lives of one another, to love and courage call um, to love and good deeds, it's just not natural, right? Because my natural gut feeling is not to share everything with everybody. Now, my wife would argue that. She would. But it's true. Like, as humans, we, we, we don't live that way. We, 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 we like to keep people at a distance. We like to keep some people a little bit of a shield, right? Because when we've lowered our shield, when we let people into our lives, we've been hurt. And so we guard ourselves very close. We, we, we actually avoid this kind of intimacy because we're afraid we're going to get hurt. Because we're afraid somebody's going to judge us. Because we're afraid somebody's going to betray us. And so we never experience the deep community that God created us for, that he intends for us uh, in small groups, when we meet with leaders, we talk to them about the 90% rule. People in a small group setting, maybe not in this setting, but in a small group setting, if you ask the right questions, people will usually share eh, 90% of what's going on in their life. They're willing to share, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit here or there. They don't ever, though, naturally get into the last 10%. See, that's the deep, hidden stuff that we don't want to share. We don't want other people to see. And, and, and the Bible would say that true fellowship really happens in that area. True life together, true pressing in, is, is about finding a group of people that you can share that other 10% with. And you can go, yeah, here's, here's, here's where I am, and I'm, I'm broken about this. And he said, how I feel about God, I'm struggling with this, right? And, and you know those people are going to lift you up, they're going to encourage you, they're going to they're love you, spur you on to faith and good deeds, Okay. Not only is it unnatural, what I'd say to you this morning is it's also countercultural, and here's why. Because true fellowship is real. And we live in a world that has just escaped all of reality. <laughs> and if you think of, about social media these days, I mean, what we do is we put an image of ourselves out there for people to see because there are only certain things we want them to see. We don't, we don't want to show them everything. This goes back to, like, we want to keep people in arms. Just, but, but social media, our world today, technology is all about showing you just, just what you want people to see. Um, have any of you ever watched the movie Jumanji? You remember the original with Robin Williams? Okay. Anybody see the new one that came out with Dwayne Johnson? Okay, all right, all right. So I, I, there, there's a scene in that movie that, and I'm not recommending the movie if you don't like it, uh, J-A-S-O-N at fbcelgin.org. Uh, that's where all complaints go. Um, and so if, if you, but, but there's a scene in the movie, and at the very beginning, there's a high school girl, and, and she's kind of obsessed with, um, with, with popularity and what other people see, uh, think of her, and, and, and so her name's Bethany. And Bethany, at the very beginning of the movie, is, is trying to post to Instagram. 
And so she wakes up, she's got a little selfie stick, and, and she's gotten up, she's putting on her makeup, and she's got a little cup of coffee, and she spends like five minutes just kind of situating the cup, turning it just at the right angle, and, and practicing, she's practicing rolling over and looking at the stick, right? And she takes a bunch of stuff, and finally she goes, oh, yeah, that'll work. And she posts it to Instagram, and she's like, hashtag, no filter, hashtag, just rolled out of bed, hashtag, I love my life. See, the point is, of course, that all that was really fake. I mean, she may have woken up and she may have gotten coffee, but that is certainly not how she looked when she rolled out of bed. She's, she's putting up an, an image. And, and before we just say that's what teenagers do, follow me? See, even if you don't have social media, you do it when you walk through the doors. We live in a world where we are only comfortable letting people see a certain version of us. That is what our culture tells us to do. It's what our culture tells us to do. In all of it. So our hearts, our culture, they surround us. And so what I'm going to talk to you about, man, it's just not going to make sense. It's not going to make sense. Having said that, though, even though it's not going to make sense, you need to know you were made for it. That's the second point. That's the second point. Ready? We are made for fellowship. We are made for fellowship. God actually designed us for this thing called fellowship. So turn with me, if you don't mind, all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. It's way back there in the beginning. First book, Genesis chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 26. And Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, Then God said, God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Now, Genesis 1, 26, 27, I want you to notice the language. It says, let us. Let us make man in our image. Who's us? Well, there's only one God, the Bible says, but he exists in three persons. We just sing about it. Holy Trinity, one God and three persons. We just say that, Father, Son, and Spirit. So God has always existed, he's eternal, and he has always existed in perfect fellowship, Father, Son, and Spirit. That's who God is. God exists in perfect fellowship. And this God who exists in perfect fellowship says, let us make man like us. Let, let us create man to be like us, right? Not, not to be a God, but in our image, that's what we're going to do. And, and so, so now I'm in Genesis 2, chapter 18. It says, then the Lord God said, now, now, so he creates man. He, he creates everything that we see in our world, the sun and the moon and the stars and day and night and, and all the animals and the bird of the sky and the birds of the sea, the animals on the ground, uh, all the plant life, right? God does all this stuff. And it says, Genesis 2, 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Now I am in uh, verse 20. It says, But for the man no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs, he closed the flesh at that place, and then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. I'm going to summarize that. God made us in his image. 
This God who made us in his image exists in perfect fellowship, Father, Son, and Spirit. Everything in creation was good except for one thing, loneliness. God looked at man who he had made in his image and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. He he looks at Adam and he says, I didn't make you to be all alone. I didn't create you to live in isolation. No, I design you to live in community. I design you for fellowship. You were created for it. So we need to understand that when we talk about this thing called fellowship and what it's about to call us to, we've got to know this is actually something that God created us for. Okay? Even though it doesn't feel right, even though it sounds odd, what we're about to call you to, it's actually something you're meant to do, something you're meant to live out. Number three. In fact, without Christian fellowship, we're not the same. We are not the same without Christian fellowship. And and here's the other side of that coin. Not only are we not the same without Christian fellowship, Christian fellowship is not the same without us. We've got to talk about both of those things this morning. So, so we're not the same without this kind of community, this kind of fellowship. But, but the fellowship is actually not the same without us either. So now I'm in Hebrews chapter 10. It's the last place I'll ask you to turn. Hebrews chapter 10. You find James, you're getting close. Give you a second. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23. The author of Hebrews, who we, we don't know who it is, we, we did a big long study on the book of Hebrews, and we said, yep, we don't know who wrote it. This is what he says. Hebrews 10, verse 23, he says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, verse 24, it's, uh, it's, it's in your Bible there, it's also up on the screen. It says, And let us watch out, for one another, to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Look at verse 24 up there. I want to unpack this verse. It says, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Let us, let us watch out for one another. This is what happens in fellowship. In fellowship, we watch out for one another. In fellowship, we actually provoke one another, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what that means here in a second, to love and to good deeds. What that means, friends, is that I need you. I need you in my life. Right? And you say, why do you need me? I need you because I'm an idiot. That's, that's what the Bible says over and over and over. And you can think that you're better than that, but you're not. Um, we are. Our, our, our hearts constantly lie to us. Right? It says, the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. My heart lies to me. My feet lead me astray. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly caught up in pride and being judgmental. I, I, I often am lazy when it comes to the things of God. And, and what the Bible says is, therefore, I need people in my life, the people of God, to watch out for me. To look at my life. To, to go, hey, hey, Jason, listen, I'm not seeing Christ manifested in you the way that he should be. I, I, I don't see the fruit of the Spirit right now. Man, you seem so frustrated. You seem angry. You, you seem out of touch, right? And I need, I need people in my life that, that I've invited into that space to say, listen, look at me. Look at me and, and, and tell me when you see me getting off track because I don't want to go out in the desert. I, I don't want to wander around, man. I want the promised land. 
I, I want the land that's flowing with milk and honey. I want the land of abundant fruit that Jesus promised that I could have. I'm tired of just, of just getting just a little bit of this, right? I've been eating dove for too long. It's getting stuck in my teeth. I want to walk with Jesus. And so I, I need you to help me. And, and when you see me, that, that, that I've wandered off course, you're going to provoke me. You're, you're going to say, hey, brother, come on. We can do better. Like, God's got you. You've got to stick with this. You got, it's just encouragement to one another. You've got to spur me to move, to change, to get up, to get going. I need you for that. And guess what? You need me too. See, that's the story of Christian fellowship. We need one another. That's why fellowship is, is so important. That's why I can't choose to stay at home when I don't feel like it. Right? Because guess what? You're not going to feel like it because your heart is deceitful. Your deceitful, lying, no good, cheating heart is going to tell you to sit on the couch in your underwear eating Cheetos. That's what it's going to do. It's going to say, listen, you don't need fellowship. You don't need to go. You don't need those people. They're not going to understand anyway. You just sit here feeling sorry about your life and you stay here. You need some time to yourself. Liar. Just look at the liar. No good cheating, Cheeto eating, underwear wearing heart. Jesus' name, get thee behind me. What, what did it do? Let me ask you this, because this is the other side of the coin. We're so consumed with, with us, right? We're made for Christian fellowship. We're not the same without Christian fellowship. But the other side of that coin is if Hebrews 10 is accurate, if we're called to watch out for one another, then it's not just about what I need. It's also about what others need. So what happens when I... Choose not to be involved in Christian fellowship. You think, well, well my heart says it's, it's just not time. My heart says that I need to stay home. My heart says that I need to rest. My heart says that nobody's going to understand. My heart says, here's the other side of the coin. What about the person that God intended you to encourage? What about them? The person that God intends your testimony to provoke to love and good deeds. What about them? See, because that's the part we don't think about. We just want to focus on us. Well, well, listen, I don't feel like, guess what? I usually don't feel like anything good. Okay? I, don't, I want a greasy cheeseburger, and I want extra fries, and I don't want to get up and exercise, right? I don't want to die. I, I don't want to get up and read my Bible. I don't want to because I am lazy and my heart's a liar. I need to. And you know what? Not only do I need to for me, I need to for my wife and four children. You fall. There is always more at stake than you. And that's the heart of fellowship. We need one another. If you decide to stay at home on the couch in the underwear eating Cheetos, I wonder who is going to miss out on the means of grace of you. 
Because you're, you're God's chosen means to deliver grace to somebody in this world. There is somebody that is struggling the same way you have been. There is somebody that needs encouragement that will come from you. And you may be thinking, I don't have any, I don't have any way to encourage anybody. And guys, this is why fellowship falls under discipline, by the way. I'll tell you the truth. I haven't shared this with a lot of people. Tried to work through some things. Uh, I realized not long ago, and guys, I'm an extrovert, naturally. Like I, 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 people usually get me going. I get around people, woo, and my wife is like, oh my gosh. And she's the opposite. She's an introvert. People drain her. And so we have this balance right in life. And I realized something was wrong not long ago, uh, I don't know, several months back, when I found myself not wanting to be around people. Just wanted to stay withdrawn, which is not me. And realized, you know, hey man, this, this, is, this is something that's big. I was having thoughts I shouldn't be having, I mean, crazy things, and, and uh, just realized, man, I'm, 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 I'm depressed. I'm struggling with some things. And, uh, but I made an active choice, and that active choice was to press into fellowship instead of withdrawal. And so I would get up and I would go to small group even though I didn't feel like it. And I would do life with, with people that loved me and, uh, and I, I would go with the mindset, I'm not going to get anything out of this. That's a bad place to be, isn't it? But you know what? I always did. And not only did I get something out of it, but the Lord was able to use me even in that season to bless somebody else. So we have to have the discipline, even when we don't feel like it, to press in, to lean in, to fellowship. Last reason, okay? Christian fellowship encourages us to act like Christ. Last reason I need fellowship in my life, ready? Because fellowship encourages me to act like Christ, all right? Again, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. So it says here in, in verse 25 on the, on the screen, uh, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, like, like, like show up. And why do we show up, ready? But, but, but so we can encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. And so the author of Hebrews gives one of the primary purposes for fellowship. And he says one of the primary reasons that you show up is so that you can be encouraged. And you know why you need to be encouraged? Ready? Because life is hard. That's why. It says even more as you see the day approaching. You know what that means? It means it's going to get harder. And, and as we, we get closer to that day, and the harder that it gets, the more that you're going to need to lean into somebody the more that you're going to need that fellowship. You're going to need somebody in your life that's there. And, and what does it say there in, in verse 24 that they're supposed to do? Verse 24, it says they're going to provoke. They're going to provoke you to love and good deeds. That word provoke, it means to make sharp, to stimulate, or to stir on. My, my favorite, our favorite in staff meeting was, that, was to stimulate. I'll be honest with you. I've been drinking some coffee. Okay? I'd gone several months without caffeine. I couldn't have it on this trip. I'd been drinking a little bit of coffee. And so as I was writing the sermon, I had some coffee. And then they have new flavored water with caffeine in it. It was delicious. And, and so I don't know if it was the caffeine speaking or the Holy Spirit inspiring it. But I want you to write this down. I thought it was pretty good. Fellowship is often the spiritual caffeine we need 
to wake us up and to get us going. Fellowship is often the spiritual caffeine that we need to wake us up and to get us going. And you say, Pastor, what does it wake us up to? Well, the text says it wakes us up to love and to do good. Fellowship wakes us up and says, stop sitting around. God's called you to do something. Act like Christ. Love like Christ. Listen, uh, this Christian thing, man, it is a grind. Amen? It is a grind. We say all the time that Christian life, this, this race is a marathon. It, it's not a sprint. Now, some of you here this morning, um, God bless you. Uh, the Lord has reinvigorated your spirit, and you are running at a pace you haven't run at in a long time. I mean, we are so thankful for that. We always need people that are reinvigorated and empowered by the Spirit to just get out there. They just run with all they have. I, I used to watch friends. I think about Phoebe when she would run in Central Park. Anybody remember what I'm saying? She just, she just feet flailing around, and, and she, but she just ran with everything that she had, right? And, and so, so if you're there this morning, God bless you. And, and man, we appreciate you and keep it up. We want to encourage you. But I'm here to tell you when you run like that, at some point your legs are going to feel like jello. At some point your feet are going to feel like cement blocks. And when they do, that is when you need family to come up next to you and to say, I got you, let's finish this thing well. 1992 in the Olympics, I almost, I almost showed you this clip, but I knew I was going to be close time-wise. It's like a four-minute clip. The Olympics, uh, there was a British runner in the uh, 400 finals. And he, he, he was a great runner. He had had some, um, some of Britain's records, but he'd really struggled with injuries. He was finally healthy. It was the first Olympics he was at, and he really had a shot at gold. It was kind of an outside shot, people thought. But man, the race started, and, and his, his name was, was Derek Redmond. You can go look it up on YouTube. Derek Redmond gets out of the blocks well. He gets off to a great start and he is running. And Redmond is, is running and he runs through the first curve and, and he's running down the second straightaway and it looks like he might be running the race of his life when suddenly there is a pop. It's his right hamstring. Pops usually means it, 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 it actually detaches from the, mus- from, the, from the bone. It pops and he just goes down. And, and here you, you see the rest of the runners finishing the race and, 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 and the camera shifts to them, but then it comes back to Redmond who's just lying in agony in a pool in lane five. And Redmond will tell you, he says, something came over me and I realized it was probably the only Olympics I'd been in and I decided that I wanted to finish the race. <laughs> And so he gets up and he can't put any weight on his, on his right leg. And so he begins to jump just kind of with his left. And he jumps all the way around the corner. And, and, and he, he comes all the way around the curve. He just got one straightaway. And he's still, he's just jumping. He's doing his best. And suddenly out of the corner of the TV shot, you see some man come out of the stands. And security tries to hold him back. And the man pushes security aside. And this man runs up to the left of, of, of Derek. And he begins to speak in his ear. And suddenly Derek recognizes the voice. It is the voice of his dad. His father runs onto the track and he puts his arm around him and he says, Son, it is okay. You don't have anything to prove. And Derek says, Dad, I just want to finish the race. 
And so his dad helps carry him across the finish line. And I would submit to you, that is what family is for. At some point in this race, you're going to be Derek. At some point in this race, you're going to feel like you have nothing left. But you're going to want in your spirit just to finish well. And at that point, you're going to need the family of God. Running out of the stands and onto the track. Putting their arm around you to say, we got this. We got this. That's what fellowship is about. That's what family looks like. So I'm going to give you some application. We'll be done. Uh, Number one, we've got to make pressing into community a regular practice. If you want to substitute the word fellowship for community, you can. I use those two interchangeably. We need to make pressing into community a regular practice. Here, when we talk about that, this church, we, we talk about being in a small group. Life happens better in circles than it does in lines. So you come and you're in a, in a line with somebody else. You're not really looking at them. You can't really communicate with them. You, you can't be very real with them. They just kind of see one side of your face. I want them to see the whole you that happens in a circle. And so um, here we, we stress the importance of small groups. And so we've got different kinds. There's traditional format, which people call Sunday school. Uh, but we also have what we just call a small group. And that's you, you meet in somebody's house and, and you share a meal often. And, and you just talk about your struggles in life. And, uh, and there's discipleship that happens. But, but it's, it's this encouraging one another. It's, it's all about spurring one another on to love and good deeds. And so... Uh, and small groups are the place that um, we feel like are a safe environment. Because you can't, you, can't, you can't do this just in big church, right? Hey, guys, let me tell you the sin I'm struggling with this week. And everybody's like, whoa, there's going to be some people. But in community, in a safe environment, you can share your heart. What's, what, what, what's said in group stays in group. And so we want to encourage you to uh, make pressing into community a regular practice. Two, uh, we want to challenge you to be real in community. As you press into community, you have to go into it with the thought, this is about the other 10%. That's what it's about. Okay, if, if you're just going to do the 90% that you would share with your office where it's not the same thing, right? This is about the other 10. This is about the struggles. This is about the trials. This is about the triumph. This is about what you and Jesus are talking about. So it's that other 10% kind of thing. And, and lastly, uh, I, would, I would say this, you, you need to be ready in community. You need to be ready in community. You need to be ready, number one, to get going, right? Because the, this part of community, this fellowship, it exists to help provoke you on to love and good deeds, to act and to love like, like Christ. And, and so um, you've got to be ready to get going. But second, you need to be ready to be used by God. When you show up, you show up with expectation. Like, I, I, like I, I'm here, somebody's going to provoke me, but, but the truth is the Lord has me here maybe for somebody else. And so I say this to some of you, um, you know, we, we, we talk about seasons in churches, and I need a rest, or I need a break, or like all those kind of things. Like, I get it. But the Christian life isn't an island. And so maybe the break you need from is not community. 
Maybe it's service for a little while. You need to take a season of rest. But you still need community. And so uh, I, I want to say this to you in love. Some of you have been out of community for a while. Okay? You just have been. So I, I say this to you in love. Remember two things. One, you need it. That's important. But the other side of the coin is there is somebody in this church that needs you. They need you. God intends you to be the one that is going to provoke them on to love and good deeds. You. You need community, but somebody in community needs you. So this morning, that's what we're going to pray about, okay? Uh, Sharon's going to just play just a little bit. We're not going to have a, 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 a huge, well, you, can cook, you know what? You can do whatever you want to. Um, I want you to grab the bulletin, though. And in the bulletin, you're going to see a little sheet that talks about small groups. It's got a little red couch on it. Think of that as the therapist chair this morning, okay? Some of you that are here are in a season that you have not been involved in community. And so what we want to do, we want to invite you into fellowship. We want to invite you into a space where you can say, hey, I want, to, I want, I want that. And, and so what this sheet is, is it's just you give us information. Who you are, how to contact you, what stage of life you're in. Are you a person that has kids, that doesn't have kids? Where do you live? And then what you're doing is you're actually going to trust us to help find a place for you to get plugged in. We start small groups in September. September 9th, I believe, is the kickoff. Okay? That's coming. That's coming. And so this morning, this is what you're going to do. You're going to pray, Lord, am I supposed to be in community? If the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you bet your little butt you're supposed to be in community, get dressed, put the Cheetos away, get plugged in. Say, okay, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. You're just going to fill it out. You're just going to... Fill that out. When the offering plate comes around in a second, you just, man, I'm in. And maybe you're here this morning and you, God's calling you a step further. Not only do I want to be in community, I want to be a leader in community. I want to open up my home to community. I, I want to open up my home to fellowship. I, I, I'm going to lead a study. I'm going to do something. I don't know what it means or what it entails. That's cool. we got training coming up. But that's cool. Just write, write down on kind of, oh, yeah, I might even want to lead. You just write that on your sheet. We'll take care of the rest. We will take care of the rest, okay? There's one last category I want to speak to. There is a special fellowship in the family of God. And maybe you're here and you do not have a church home. You come, but you don't belong. And maybe this morning, God's saying, hey, you've got to do something about that. We want you to belong. And what you can do, Sharon's going to play, you're going to pray. But if you want to belong, you just come down here during this time. And I'll talk to you about how to join our church, okay? That's what we're going to do. Father, give this time to you. Be glorified in this. Speak to our hearts during this time. And whether we're here to join a church, whether we're here to sign up for a small group, you just move and work as only you can. Holy Spirit, we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just pray. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your spirit. If you need to come forward and talk to me, I'm here. You just pray. Lord, am I supposed to be in community? What does that look like? Lord, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for keeping your word. Minister to our hearts. Remind us of our need for one another and the beauty of this body, of this thing that you call the church. Help us lean in to one another. Help us overcome that natural tendency to put up walls. Help us let others in. As we do, help our lives be superimposed with our brothers and our sisters. Please, please, Jesus, we want to be the church. 
We want to be the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.